this time we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school kids to their classrooms. Amen. Everybody say God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 26. Verse number 12. You know, all it's going to take is one testimony like that. And people are going to flock into the kingdom of God by the droves. I want to tell you, God does not heal just to heal. God heals for two reasons. Number one, to, to prove he's God and to, and, to, and to get glory. That's ultimately, he's, he's going to receive all praise and all glory. And number two, he wants to lead people to him. Amen. So when God does something in your life, testify about it. Tell the doctor about it, even if they don't understand. Tell your, your kids about it, even if they don't understand it. Just tell them about what the Lord's doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 26 and verse number 12. Amen. The Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, the land that had just been through a famine as bad as it was in the days of Abraham. The Bible says, And he received in the same year, a hundredfold. I want to tell you, God, God doesn't know the word recession. God does not, he's, he's not worried about what's going on in the modern world. It can be a famine for everybody else, but there will still be corn in Egypt because of people like Joseph. There will still be a harvest because of people like Isaac. Amen. God will still take care of his people. The Bible says that the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great for he had possessions of flocks possession of herds and a great store of servants and the philistines envied him for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of abraham his father the philistines had stopped them and filled them up with earth and abimelech said to isaac go from us for thou art much mightier than we and isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of gerar and dwelt there and Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after, which the, after the names by which his father had called them. Amen. There's a whole message we could preach there. Amen. I want to tell you, it's, man, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sacrifice. It's a time of worship. It's not an experience. Amen. Amen. It's not, it's not just a gathering. It's church. Amen. Amen. People are not unchurched. They're, they're not saved. Well, praise God. Amen. Sometimes we need to call a spade a spade. Because if we'll call it as our fathers have called it, we'll probably get the same results they got. Amen. That's for free. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well, and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there, the place of the altar, Isaac's servants digged a well. Skipping down to verse 32. The Bible says, And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well that they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And I want to I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject, the necessity of a well, the necessity of a well. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across the building? 
Hallelujah. Let's pray. Amen. We've already seen God do great things. We've heard of the goodness of God. We've worshiped the presence of the Lord. And now, God, I pray right now as the word of God comes forth, as I minister, God, help me to minister with grace to the hearers, God. And I pray that, Lord, we would dig out wells here today, amen, that we can receive, amen, all the blessings that you have for us, that we can continue to receive all of the favor, all the miracles, God. Amen. Lord, help us to get a shovel in our hand in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing so long. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. The necessity of a well. We know very little about Isaac from the biblical account. There's a lot written in the book of Genesis and all the way throughout the Bible about Abraham and Jacob. But for Isaac, it's mostly a mystery. In fact, the most times you hear the name Isaac, it's usually the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just gets his name thrown in there. And you'd think for being the promised son of Abraham, the one the Bible says and prophesies for Abraham, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, that most of the book of Genesis revolves around Abraham receiving Isaac, you would think that the Bible would talk a lot about Isaac, but it doesn't. Isaac is not known for much in the Bible. We know him as the promised son that willingly allowed himself to be sacrificed. We see him as the son that obeyed his father's wishes to marry the right one, to not marry somebody from his country that he was in, but to marry one of the people that Eliezer would bring back. Amen. We find that his, this, this, he was a son that obeyed God and did not go down into Egypt in a time of famine. He did not allow hunger to cause him to go into Egypt. Amen. Something that you find other patriarchs in the Bible fail. When God spoke to him, he obeyed. This is just the character of Isaac. Amen. We have to take the very little that's said and we glean from it that he's an obedient son, that he's a faithful son. That he's a blessed man. The Bible says that because he was obedient to God, he sowed in a time of famine. A famine, the Bible says, that they had not seen since the days of Abraham. And in the middle of a desert, in the middle of the world, saying we don't know what to do. Because Isaac was obedient to God, the Bible says in that same year, he received a hundredfold and God blessed him. Hallelujah. If you want to know the remedy for regard, the remedy, regardless of what's going on in our society, I want to tell you, if you will walk with God, if we will obey God, if we will hear his voice, amen, I want to tell you, it does not matter what goes on in the world. God will bless you. God will help you. Well, my, my job's downsized. And I want to tell you, if you'll be obedient to the Lord, God will either give you a better job or God will bless you in that job and he'll make room for you. Do I got a testimony of the house of the Lord? God will still take care of his people, but we've got to walk with God in obedience. We... Man, he blessed him a hundredfold. That's really all we know about him. Aside from the sporadic references to Isaac throughout the Bible, most of his life was condensed and concentrated in Genesis chapter 26. The entire chapter, and we read most of it here today, the entire chapter is recording and recounting how Isaac dug and redug the wells of his father, and he called them by the same name as his father did. It is interesting that the more that more is said of Isaac digging wells than anything else that he ever did. Now, this to me could just be seen as coincidental, but I don't believe there's any coincidence in the Bible. Amen. Out of the entire life that Isaac lived, it pulled the bullet points and it said we're going to focus in in the scriptures on one area of Isaac's life. The fact that he was a well digger. You understand as you read the Bible, wells played an important role in the story of God's people. In scripture, often inanimate objects play a role in the narrative. Amen. Wells served as a place of rest and refreshment in a dry land. 
It's interesting how significant wells are in the Bible, especially when we step out of our Western mindset and we realize they lived in the desert of the Middle East. I know everybody here today when you just, you know, there's people you won't even drink tap water. It's got to be bottled or it's got to be filtered. Amen. You just pull the faucet, you get as much water as you want. But they were not living in modern uh, society. They had to have a well. Wells just outside of a city or a village served as a meeting place for local women and for travelers. It's where the news could be passed along. Amen. It was a place where information would be pressed and got into the community where ideas could be developed and people would grow as a culture and as a society. Amen. It was at the well that became a place of trade and transport. In Scripture, a number of important meetings take place at a well. We could even talk about the fact that there are at least three main people in the Bible that met their wife at a well. Amen. All the young men said amen. Hallelujah. You need a well in your life if you're going to get married. Don't meet a wife, amen, out in the back, 40, find her in the altar, praise God. Find her in church. Praise God. That's, that's for free. You can take that and invest that, amen. We also later see Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at the well so they can discuss the need for living water. Owning a well was a sign of prosperity, according to 2 Chronicles. Amen. Symbolically, naming wells was also a common practice. The names of many settlements arose from the name of their well. The city, Beersheba, was known because of the well of Sheba. Amen. They were not known for anything else. They were known for their well. Amen. As a limited resource, wells were, a vi were vital to society, and they were an economic asset. Disputes over them were common. In fact, you find it as a theme through the Bible, even in our text. Abraham asked Abimelech to swear an oath over his well to witness ownership. Israel pledged not to drink of the wells of Edom if they would let them pass, but Edom didn't let them go through. Amen. In Numbers, amen, we find that they even offered to pay for their use. They were in desperate need of water. In the times of the kings, digging wells was a royal priority. As they campaigned with their armies, they would dig wells as they went and as they conquered. Enemies, amen, would often target wells before open hostilities. When David was on the run, amen, they blocked off the well of Bethlehem. And he said to his mighty men, oh, that I could drink a little water from the well of Bethlehem. But they tried to block it. And thank God for those mighty men that climbed through the crowd and got him a little water. Amen. The use of wells and other water infrastructure was regulated by laws. You see it through the Old Testament. You even see it in archaic laws. Amen. We even got water laws here today. In fact, you might own your property, but you may not own the water rights. You can own the land, but not the water. Amen. Some folks, you're blessed you got it both. Amen. This includes principles of ownership, access, and maintenance. One of these laws included that if there was a lack of use on that well, a lack of upkeep on that well, it would negate one's claim to ownership, which means if you were blessed enough to own a well, if you were blessed enough to have a well in your life, you had to upkeep that well. You had to make sure that well got used because if you weren't using that well, somebody else would come by, amen, and it was open game. This is like a, amen, archaic squatter law that if they improved upon the property, they got to keep it. I, 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 I don't want to step ahead of myself, but you know that chair you're sitting in today, amen, I want to tell you, amen, you got to take care of that well. Because if you don't take care of that well, somebody else will come by that is just blessed to be in church. They're tired of sitting on a bar stool. They're tired of waking up and not knowing their name. They, they'll gladly swap spots with one of us. Amen. But I want to tell you, we got to take care of the church. We got to take care of the well. We got Hallelujah. Man, this well through the Bible is also used metaphorically. Amen. When we understand allegorically the well and the water, when we think about the well allegorically, amen, it represents the follower of God. And this is why the Bible talks about people, that they are like cisterns that are broken. 
It's a cistern. It's a place of well. It's a well, an above-ground well that holds water. And he talks about that the well or the cistern, if it's broken, can't hold any water. Amen. Starts talking about double-minded people are like that. Amen. The, the well is a representation in the Bible of the individual. But the water is represented in the Scripture as God's Spirit. Hallelujah. Because you can have a well, but no water, and it's nothing more than a pit. You can have a well without water, and it's nothing more than a ditch. And I want to tell you, it's dry, and there's no life there. I don't want to be that kind of Christian where I've got a ditch in my life. I've got an empty pit in my life. It's nothing but dry and dead. I want to make sure I've got the Spirit of God flowing. I want to make sure the Holy Ghost is flowing. Amen. Because wells were primary source of water, to have a dry well was a curse. Man, to be called a dry well was a curse. Likewise, a dry or a broken well served as a metaphor for disobedience, sinfulness, and emptiness. This is what we see in Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He goes and he finds a Samaritan at the well and he converses with her. And he talks with her in a term she would understand. He said that if you, he asked first if you could draw out of your well and give me a little water. And the woman responded that the well is deep. They had had to keep digging because every time they, they would run out of water, amen, and they'd dig a little deeper to try to get it, and it'd be dirty, muddy water, but it was the only well that they had. And Jesus looked at her, and he said, if you drink of this water from this well, you'll thirst again. He said, but if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst. And Jesus started telling her, the water that I give you is like a well inside of you springing up. It's not an empty well. It's not a dry well. When you get the well that I'm talking to you, the well of the Holy Ghost, the water that flows out of you is living water. And when you get this well, it'll quench your thirst. When you get the Holy Ghost, do I got a witness in the house of the Lord? When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't got to go back to Jacob's well. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't have to go back to the bar stool when you get the Holy Ghost. Somebody that's got a testimony, give God some praise. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. He said, if you drink of this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you get the Holy Ghost, if you get my spirit on the inside of you, you will never thirst again. I'm coming to preach to somebody. When you go out into this world, amen, you're going to find all sorts of broken cisterns and dried up wells. Amen. You're going to go from relationship to relationship, and it's going to be dried up, and it's going to be broken up. You're going to go from addiction to addiction and find out it's nothing more than a broken cistern and a dry well. You won't find what you're looking for. But when you come to the house of the Lord, you get introduced to a well by the name of Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you get enough water that'll take you through every storm. You get enough water that'll take you through every dry place. You'll get the rock that followed them in the wilderness. You'll get that water that flows out from Bethlehem's well. Oh, somebody give him praise. You'll get that water that in Acts chapter 2 came like a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were seated. When you get the Holy Ghost, it'll give you so much water, you won't know what to do with it. Jesus said, he that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, somebody give God some praise. When you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is a well springing up, amen, with everlasting life and everlasting water. When you get the Holy Ghost, the way the Bible says it, amen, he said it's a river. I want to tell you, religion will give you a reservoir. It'll give you a stagnant pond. Amen. You'll feel like you got water, but it'll give you dysentery. It'll make you sick. But when you get the Holy Ghost, amen, it'll do for you what religion can never do for you. When you get the Holy Ghost and you come up, amen, speaking in other tongues, and it starts to flow out of you, I'll tell you what happens. Amen. When they finally strike living water in a well, amen, no matter what dirt falls in the well, they finally hit the river underneath, and they're now in the flow, and that flow just takes all that dirt. When you go through hell, 
hell. Hey, but I want to tell you, when you got the well, it doesn't matter because it all of a sudden starts pushing all of that dirt away. When you go through trouble and you got a well, you won't get dry. You got to have a well. Amen. It's a necessity to have a well. Amen. We are not living in a, well, we kind of are living in a desert. High desert. Thank God we're not Vegas where they, they put a metropolis in a desert that doesn't have a lot of water. Well, we're in a drought. No, you've got, um, you got several million people in a place that doesn't need several million people. And now you're drain, draining out Lake Mead. Well, somebody needs to think, think that one through. Amen. Thank God we're up against the mountains. Amen. Where he can let it rain and he can let it snow and it flows down and he blesses the Carson Valley and he blesses this whole area. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. I don't think we'll ever have to worry about running out of water. Why? Because we're right where the source is. Amen. But when you look at this well and well digging this water, it's a big deal. We in the desert, you can't survive without water. Amen. They say that uh, men can only last about three days without water. You'd, you'd be better off starving than going thirsty. This is why Jesus, he stood and he stood up at that great day of the feast and he cried and he said, if anyone thirsts, let them come after me and drink. I want to tell you that when you get thirsty, amen, the world's going to offer you all sorts of things that quench your thirst. Uh, amen. I, I preach a little bit about pressure on Wednesday. But when you get thirsty, when you go through a time of pressure, I want to tell you Coors Light and Budweiser is going to try to tell you, you know what it would feel real good right now is just a little sip of this. Uh, amen. But it's going to leave you more empty. It's going to leave you more thirsty. They're trying to push their empty dry wells, but when you come to the house of the Lord, amen, we can, we can articulate information that when you come to this well, amen, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, uh, amen, and no matter what you're facing, that well will, will rehydrate you, and that well called Jesus will get you through your dry times, and that well will get you through your high-pressure times, and that, you got to have a well, amen. Isaac's life is represented by four wells. When you look at his life, amen, we're not seeing, but there's years that are passing between these moments. The entire chapter is just taking a, the biggest chunk of his life, and it is showing you he's got four wells. The well of, of, of Essek, which means strife, amen, he's got to go through strife. They fight with him over this well. And in this stage of his life, it's nothing but war and nothing but fighting. The, the well called Sitna, which is opposite, opposition, and accusation. I want to tell you there's times in life you're going to have to go through those moments. And it just seemed like all he's drinking from, amen, is opposition and accusation. He then goes to Rehoboth, which means a wide open area. And he says, finally, amen, I got a little bit of space. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. He builds and he digs out a fourth well. But there's something different about this well. Uh, amen. Uh, this well of Sheba, which means seventh, which means oath, uh, which means promise. Uh, amen. He goes his whole life digging and redigging wells. Uh, he fights for them. Uh, he, he wars over them. He goes through false accusation over them. Uh, he goes through lonely times over him. Huh? He goes through empty times without him. Huh? And then he comes to the final well and he digs it out. He finally gets the well called promise. But there's something different about that well. That well is where he first built an altar. And notice that once he built an altar and dug a well where he built his altar, he never had to dig a well again. Because when you combine the water and you combine the altar, amen, when you combine, amen, instead of just human effort in every one of these wells and strife and fighting and emptiness and openness, and you finally bring God into the situation and say, God, I don't want to do this by myself, amen, they finally came to him and said, Isaac, we have found water. But he goes, his whole life is based on these four wells. Amen. The Bible says now the Philistines stopped up all the wells. Wells were precious. They were difficult and expensive to dig. It was a significant attack to destroy someone's well. This shows us how severely the Philistines envied Isaac. Isaac dug again the wells of water which they dug in the days of Abraham. Isaac went back to the same sources that his father got water from. Hallelujah. And he found refreshment. 
I want to tell you, we might be living in a new generation, but we, we don't need to find some newfangled thing, uh, amen, to somehow make things. I want to tell you, a prayer meeting uh, that worked 50 years ago will still work in 2023. Well, we don't need prayer meetings anymore. We've excelled beyond that. Uh, since when? Uh, I want to tell you, church has got entertainment. Uh, amen. They've got programs, and I thank God for programs. Uh, amen. But they don't have prayer meetings. Uh, amen. They've got a TED Talk, but they don't have no preaching. Uh, I want to tell you, the very wells uh, that blessed his father Abraham, uh, he said, I'm going back to those wells. Uh, I'm going to find some sustenance. I'm going to find some sustenance. I'm going to make sure that I don't go dry. And he went back to where his father was. Then I want to help us here today. If we're not careful, we'll start thinking that because we've become so slick, we don't need all those things anymore. I want to tell you, Isaac's life is represented by the fact he went through and followed the steps of his father. And in following the steps of his father, he said, if this well helped and blessed my father, It'll probably bless me too. And in the midst of that, every time he dug that well, I want to tell you the Philistines came by and said, we're going to fill that well back up. We're going to come against that well. Amen. The Philistines followed behind him after he redug the well. The Philistines followed behind him, and they fought over the wells, and they kept trying to fill them in with dirt, and, and they kept pushing Isaac out of the land. Uh, the enemy hated the idea of Isaac having a well. I want to tell you why the enemy hates the idea of Isaac and you and I having a well in our life. Uh, because wells mean permanence you got to understand, God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees into a land that he would later give to him as a possession. And everywhere he stepped, Abraham wasn't trespassing. The Canaanites were trespassing. The Philistines were trespassing. The Amalekites and the Amorites were trespassing. The Parasites were trespassing. Everywhere he put his foot, he said, this is my territory. This is my land. And Abraham, every time he dug a well and Isaac redug the well, what was he saying? This is still our land. The, the, the adversary did not want him to make a place of permanence. Wells meant progress. We don't want you to make progress because if you have a well, that means your cattle get the, the cattle get a drink, and if cattle are drinking, they produce more, and cattle equals money, and that leads us to the next thing. Wells meant prosperity. We don't want you being blessed. We don't want you moving forward and making progress. In fact, we don't want you to stick around here. You know what the adversary was doing? We don't want you to have a well because we don't want you here no more. Hallelujah. Amen. The adversary will always fight you and I over permanence, uh, over progress, and over God prospering us. You watch it. You start getting your shovel in your hand and saying, devil, this is my family. This is my church. This is my territory. This is my city. And you'll watch the adversary come in like a flood and say, no, we don't want you to be permanent. We don't want you to make progress. We don't want you to prosper. Because if that happens, then we got to move out of the land. If you make this place permanent. Can I preach to somebody? It's important for you and I to have a well because it shows all of hell we're permanent. We're not going. Can I preach to somebody? Well, why is the devil fighting me so bad? I'll tell you why. Because he notices you got a shovel in your hand. And he recognizes you're digging something out for your family. You're digging something out for your kids. And you're digging something out for your grandkids. And you're digging something out for the next generation. And he doesn't want the church to be permanent. He doesn't want your family to be permanent. But can I preach to you here today? Dig a well anyway. Somebody shout and give God praise. Get that shovel, sir. Get that shovel, ma'am, and start digging. Mom and dad, amen, get that shovel and say we're going to prayer meeting. Get that shovel and say we're going to Bible study. Get that shovel and say we're going to give. Get that shovel and say we're going to live for God. Get that shovel and say we're going to dress right. Get Somebody give God some praise. Oh, let's lift up our hands all across this building. Come on, lift up your hands. The adversary doesn't want Isaacs in the house of the Lord huh, to dig a well. He doesn't want the people of God to dig a well. He doesn't want ARC to dig a well. But I got news for you. We got shovels in our hand.
Let me just pause and park here for a moment. You're facing opposition. The devil doesn't want you to stay in church. If you were the devil, how would you fight you? I'll tell you what he does. He stalks you like a lion, finding out what will cause you to trip up, what will get you away from the well, get you away from the work. It's the same thing he did to Nehemiah. Let's get him away from the wall. Let's get them away from the work. And the devil wants to distract people in this generation. He wants to take a shovel out of their hand and put a remote control in their hand. Uh, he wants to take a shovel out of their hand. He wants to take prayer meetings out of their hand. He wants to take church out of their hands. Uh, he wants to take Bible study out of their hands uh, and get them entertained and get them distracted by all of the junk in this world. He wants to put an iPhone in your hand and get you scrolling on Instagram and Facebook for five hours uh, and instead of open up your Bible. I'm not here to criticize or judge you, but I've come to tell you, instead, put that phone down and grab your Bible. What does that say? I'm grabbing a shovel and I'm digging a well. Let me tell you, not all churches are the same. Because not all churches are digging wells. Some are content getting bottled water from the store. You know the problem with bottled water? It runs out. Amen. I want to tell you, there's a challenge in our world. That, well, I'll just get a little inspiration from the Internet. Yeah, get your get your nice quote on your wall from from trader uh, from out there from Hobby Lobby and it'll inspire me. But but you need a little more than just a water bottle to get you through the day. You need a well. Because that well says, I've dug down deep enough to where I hit the water that's flowing. Uh, I want to tell you why. Churches are not digging wells. I'm not saying all of them. There's some great churches out there. But there's a lot of churches that are not interested in digging a well. They're interested in entertaining people. We don't want you to come out of sin. We just want you to be comfortable. And I, listen, I, we got visitors here today. They know we love them. We love them. We, we praise God. We want to pray for you. But I want to tell you, I want, I want our visitors to know that when you come to this house, uh, amen, I'm going to equip you. We're going to equip you with a shovel to say, I, I'm not just going to be a Christian this week, but next week I'm dried out and dead. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I got a shovel, and I'm going to dig down, and I'm going to get a well. And that well, it's going to be like what Psalms chapter 1 says, that, that a blessed man is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What's that say? It's like a man planted by a well of living water. And the Bible says they'll keep bringing forth fruit, and everything they do shall prosper. I want to tell you, there's people in the house of the Lord. God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. But it's going to take digging a well and making it up in your mind. I'm here to Stay. He kept moving forward and digging wells. He was not going to let opposition stop him from fighting for his wells and digging wells. Why? Because it's because the life of my family is more important than my discomfort. I'm not interested in being comfortable. I'm interested in being saved. Last time I checked, he said that you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. That doesn't sound very comfortable. And there's a world uh, that's trying to push it and say, well, Christianity should make you feel comfortable. Listen, we are trying to, we love people. We're trying to help people. But we don't, we don't want people to stay comfortable the way they are. We want to tell them, hey, you can go beyond where you are. In fact, we want to get you a place that's better than where you are. And if you will follow Jesus, if you will get the well. Man, he kept moving forward. He kept digging. He didn't let anything stop him. It took faith. It took work and commitment to dig the wells again. But the provision was there when Isaac sought it diligently. For nomadic herdsmen, even great ones like Abraham and Isaac, water meant life. No water, no life. I want to help us here today. No water, no life. No well, no life. No walk with God, no life. No church, no life. I want to tell you, 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 can, you can call it however you want to call it, but if we, if we get away from the well, we get away from life itself. Amen. We get away from the Holy Ghost, we get away from life itself. Amen. In seasons of the year, human or animal life, uh, amen, when it's the driest that it's ever been, can be sustained from the water that comes from the well. But without a well, animals died. Uh, amen. They, they ended up in a valley of dry bones. Uh, these wells were not just a luxury. They were a necessity. And I've come to preach to us here today that these wells were worth fighting for. These wells were worth digging for. These wells were worth working for. These wells were worth praying for. These wells were worth Isaac building altars for. These can I preach to somebody here today and give you the practical of what the Holy Ghost put in my spirit? Your family needs a well. 
Your community needs a well. Your extended family needs a well. Your marriage needs a well. Your kids need a well. Your grandkids need a well. This is about survival. This is about life. This is about water. We've got to get a well, which means we got to dig one. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. We need a well. If we don't have a well, we don't live. And let me help us here today. There's always contention over the well. There's always a battle over the well. This is why cities were built around a well. They built walls around the city to guard the well. Amen. Because they knew. Amen. If we have water, we're going to be all right. As long as we have water, we're going to be okay. I want to tell you the well that God wants to build in our lives is worth defending. The well that God wants to build in our lives is worth defending. It's worth holding on to. It's worth praying for and working for. Amen. We've got to make sure that we dig this well big enough that and deep enough that future generations can gain the benefit benefit. Amen. I'm tired and I'm worn out. You need to get a a vision bigger than you. A vision that goes beyond your life and realize I'm digging a well so a generation that's coming after me can have something to drink from. Can I preach ARC? You know what we're doing? We're digging a well that long after all of us are dead and gone, if Jesus should tarry, there'll be another Jesus name, Apostolic Church in Carson City preaching the truth. I don't want a for sale sign over ARC. I don't want God amen, to, 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 to let us pass by because we ran out of water because we were just getting temporary source. I want to tell you what we're doing. We're digging a well. Well, Pastor, what are we doing with these prayer meetings? We're digging a well that kids that haven't even been born yet are going to pray in. Why are we teaching Bible studies? I'll tell you why. Because there's families out there that are dying of thirst and they've got to come into the well. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Let's stand across the building and give God a shout of praise. Got to have a well. Somebody give him praise. I got to have a well. Somebody give him praise. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on. Hallelujah. It's not time to play with the well. Hallelujah. The world needs the church. The world needs the church. Amen. We, we've got to have a well. We've got to have a well they can come to. We've got to have a well they can drink from. We've got to have a well. We've got to dig it out. We've got to build it out. We've got to make sure the water's flowing. Amen. There's always opposition to those that are digging deeper. We talk about this. I've been, this is my spirit so strong. In the Bible, the earth is symbolic of the flesh. This is what happened to Korah. The earth swallowed them up. Amen. They got carnal. They were gone. And the water is symbolic of the Spirit of God. Jesus told the woman of the well, he's offering her living waters. I've talked about already. Amen. And the Philistines, you know what they do? They come by with dirt and they try to fill in the well. I want to tell you, when they dump dirt in, that water... It, depending on how deep they dug it, that water's going to push it away because there's a spring in there. There's, if, got, if they tapped into spring water, what's going to happen? Is it gonna push that wa- it's going to push that dirt. But if they keep dumping the dirt in, eventually it's going to stop the well. I want to tell you what the adversary is doing in this generation. He's just trying to fill people up with more flesh, more entertainment, more carnality, more bitterness, more offense. I want to tell you, the Bible says they'll be lovers of their own self. Uh, amen. That, that is what's happening in the world. Amen. Church, we got to be sober and vigilant to recognize the adversary would love nothing better than to fill in your well. So while Isaac's digging one well out, and he moves on, he moves forward, he grows great, the Bible says, and he starts digging out this next well. While he's digging out this well, the adversary's coming behind him. Amen, there's some people, you feel like you're just constantly one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back. Amen, it doesn't seem like you're making progress, but you are making progress. Why? Because you're keeping that water flowing. 
Somebody comes into church, somebody else leaves the church. I'll tell you what's happening. Amen. Then God brings three more people in. We might not seem it at the moment, but we're digging a well and we're making progress. And you give this, uh, amen, a couple generations, uh, and you give this well, amen, a couple years, uh, and you watch the water begin to flow to a place uh, where no matter how much dirt they put in, we've reached the source and the headwaters. Uh, and you could try to fill it up, uh, but it's finally hit the underground river, and it's just going to keep flowing all that junk out of the way. There is a place where we can dig deep enough where we get an unstoppable well. You could try to put as much dirt in here. You could put as much junk in here as you want but we've reached the river. What's happening when you are praying and all of a sudden your brain tells you, man, I need to do laundry. I'll tell you what that is. That's just a small little, that's just a little bit of dirt. And it may not seem like much. And then all of a sudden, well, I, I would go to church, but man, I'm tired. Just a little bit of dirt. And at the beginning, well, it didn't really matter. You'll be all right, you'll be all right. But you do that over a decade. You do that over months. Before it's all sudden done, you go to put your cup down there to get a little water. All you get is mud. What happens when that when all of a sudden you feel the devil try to come by and fill up your well? You make it up in your mind, no. Uh, any dirt you try to put in there, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab my shovel. We're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to dig a little deeper. I'm not letting this get filled in. I'm not letting my prayer life, I'm not letting the well of my prayer life get filled in. I'm not letting the well of giving get filled in. I'm not letting the well of holiness get filled in. I'm not letting the well of church attendance get filled in. I'm not letting the well of praying in the Holy Ghost get filled in. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let the well of worship and praise get filled in because I don't want any rocks to cry out in my place. I'm going to tell you, we have got to dig and every action we are doing in the kingdom of God is us grabbing a shovel. I don't want the well of discipleship and evangelism to run dry in my life. God, lead me to somebody else's hungry. And when the devil says, aren't you a little busy? Aren't you a little tired? Yes, I am. But God, if you'll open the door for one more person to hear about Jesus' name, baptism. What's that look like? I got my shovel in my hand, and I'm digging out a well. I want to tell you there's people in the house of the Lord. Amen, you are fighting opposition, but I'll tell you what you're fighting for. You're fighting to dig a well. You're fighting against the devil trying to fill in that well. Every time you pray, guess what, honey? You just made progress. You ought to praise God. Every time you don't feel like coming to church, but you come to church, you're digging a well. You're making progress. Your kids are. Every time. Every time you worship the Lord when you don't feel like it, you're making progress. You're keeping that well flowing. Every time you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're keeping that well flowing. Would you lift up your hands all across the building in the name of Jesus? Every time we come to the altar, what are we doing? We're digging out a well. We're digging out a well. Every time we give to that building fund, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're digging out a well because we're declaring there's going to be permanence in this city. There's going to be permanence for ARC. We're going to, we're going to make sure if Jesus should tarry, there will be an apostolic church 100 years from now. Come on, lift up your hands and let's pray. Amen. Having a well is not an option if you want to survive. You need a well. I need a well. The pastor needs a well. The saint needs a well. The visitor and guest needs a well. I want to tell you, you came in the house of the Lord. Welcome to the well. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. I'm done preaching. But I want us to feel after the Holy Ghost. Right now, as I preach, the Holy Ghost has been speaking very specific things to individuals in the house of the Lord. I want you to act upon that right now. I believe that God, I want to tell you, devil, you're a liar. You try to fill up the well in 2020 and say God's not a healer. I would tell you there's a testimony today. We dug that well back out. God's still healing. He's still mending bones that they said were fractured. I want to tell you, the Philistines and the devil are very tricky. They come by, and they fill in the well, and they do it in a time when you're not paying attention. And then you go, you get a little water, and you hit rocks, and you hit stumps. That's why the Bible says, break up your fallow ground, right? It's the same concept. When you go to plant a seed, you got to break it up first so that seed can get down where there's water. The devil wants to make people harden. Make them bitter. Make them a fan. I want to tell you, Lord, help me. 
Lord, help me to keep my shovel in my hand. And when the devil comes by in the middle of the night to try to get a fill in your well and try to pour dirt in there and pour all this other junk in there, you could get down on your knees and say, not today, devil. I got my shovel in my hand. Open up your word. Amen. Get down on your knees and begin to pray. Take a moment out and go on a fast and say, devil, you're not getting this. For people that you've got a testimony that God has ever done something for you, don't let the devil fill that testimony in. There's people in the house of the Lord. It's been a long time since you shared Jesus Christ with somebody. I want to tell you what that looks like. That's a well that's been filled in. But today, the Lord is going to help somebody. There are people you have not prayed in a while. But I'll tell you what the answer is today. You're going to come down to this altar and you're going to pray, God, put a shovel in my hand. And if it's just five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, I'm going to start digging that well out. There are some folks that you have not read your Bible in a while or maybe never. That's a well that's been filled in. But God's going to help get you a shovel in your hand. There's some folks that you've not praised or worshipped at church. You've not praised or worshipped in your car. But I want to tell you, God's going to give you a shovel today. And God's going to give you a million reasons why he's worthy to be praised. There's some folks you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you what that is. That's the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. He said this is the ultimate well. And in order for you to receive that Holy Ghost... You have to come and you have to, you, know, you have to lift up your hands. You can, you can sit there. You don't have to do anything except for receive it. It's a gift. What does that look like? It says, Lord, I've, I've got a lot of junk. You, the only requirement to receiving the Holy Ghost is repentance. You know what repentance is? Getting a shovel in your hand. Saying, God, would you forgive me of this? Would you wash me of this? What's happening when you do that? It's a work of the Holy Ghost. And he starts digging all that dirt out. And all of a sudden, you're going to strike water. And when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he says it's like a river that flows out. This is why the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Because it begins to flow out of you. I want to tell you what happens. All that junk that's been in there when you get the Holy Ghost, it just starts flowing out like a geyser. And God's glory and God's praise begins to come forth. I want us to come down to the altar. We're going to pray here in a moment. I believe God wants to fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe God wants to encourage somebody to get a shovel in their hand today. I believe God wants to take somebody to a higher level of commitment and consecration. And it comes by coming down to this altar and saying, Lord, I've let the adversary put a lot of dirt in my well. But today, I want that well to run free. I want to hit where the water flows. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. While I'm preaching, God has spoken to people in this house. While I have been speaking, the Lord has started giving you direction. I want you to pray about that direction right now. Young man, don't wait for, for 20 years from now to dig a well. You need to dig one now because 20 years from now you'll drink from that well. You've got to get consecration and dedication now so you can drink of that well later. Come on, as they begin to sing. I believe the water's going to start flowing. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to start flowing. There is a come on, you've come to this place. I'll tell you what you've done. You've come to where the well is. You've come to where you can get refreshed. You're like that woman that you're thirsty. God will fill you with water right now. And removes all my fears. It's calling me as you come pray and say god what would you have me do god what are you, what are you calling me deeper for what are you what what direction do you want me to go what thing are you calling me to do maybe it's to pray a little deeper maybe it's a fast a little longer maybe it's a worship a little more maybe come on god might be calling you amen to make a commitment today
Praying, I want you to keep praying. We're going to sing here again here in a minute. 